Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. Up Next is brought to you in partnership with the Gospel and Our Cities Conference with Tim Keller, coming to Chicago in 2018. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up Next. And today we have the honor of talking to a good and dear friend of mine, Paul Bortwick. Paul serves on the staff of Development Associates International. Paul is a missiologist that we're going to talk a little bit more. He's a professor. He's a speaker. He's an author. And he is just wonderful and just a dear friend. So, Paul, welcome. Thank you very much for that uh, dramatic introduction. <laughs> and Paul, uh, our co-host today is we have Jimmy Lee, who you know, my twin brother. And we have Kenson Lamb. He's a pastor over at Park Community Church. So all three of us are going to be tag-teaming to really be able to spend some time talking with you and getting to know you a little bit. Good. I welcome it. Yeah. Paul, I'm going to start off a little bit with the term missiologist. And so a lot of times when people say Paul Borthwick is a missiologist, what does that term mean? Well, it's a good question. George Verwer has actually written a book called Messiology, and he basically says <laughs> that the work of the work of missions is actually quite messy. So I might be a better messiologist than a missiologist, but fundamentally the word is just the study of cross-cultural ministry. It's the study of what we have historically called mission or missions of the church. But more specifically, you know, basically between churches in various cultures. And uh, it's a technical term, but it's, it's a lot like a pastor calling himself a theologian. I mean, I am a student of missions and the work of the church around the world. Uh, but uh, in, if, if it sounds too academic, then just say that, uh, you know, I'm a missions-involved person or a global Christian, because that's a, a little bit better definition of where I think I live. Fantastic. You know, actually hearing you talk and loving this, because obviously in Matthew 28, you know, Jesus calls all of us as Christ followers to be global Christ followers. And obviously you've taken that personally as, as training and developing other folks to, to step into that with more intentionality. And actually, I noticed that part of your development, even for yourself, that you spend a lot of time actually in the global south. You know, could you spend a little bit of time just talking about what God is doing there and why we as the Western Church need to pay attention to what's happening? Well, it's a great question, because when we think about the way we think, meaning North America or USA specifically, in our churches, in our families, in our small groups, whatever, many of us sort of give ourselves the impression that the work of God in the world starts in North America or in the United States and goes out from there. But we oftentimes forget the fact that the United States is about 5% of the world's population, Hmm. meaning that 95% of the world's people live someplace else. And the global south, or just basically Latin America, Africa, and Asia, which were, you know, 100 years ago the prime target of global mission, now they have become the prime source of global mission. Hmm. So the whole idea of going from everywhere to everywhere is happening in the countries that used to be typical receivers of missionaries. Now they're sending them. And countries like ours, or countries in Western Europe, which were historically senders of missionaries, now need them, and we're receiving them here. Wow. 
And how does that change the way we here in the States look at missions, given that the rest of the world is really growing as well, too, and their role is changing? Uh, the, the, the big question for us in the North America, the United States especially, is are we able to listen? Are we humble enough to work for somebody who's not from our dominant culture? You know, are we people that insist on, well, we have the money or we have the degrees, so we need to lead everything? Or are we willing to be servant partners? Are we willing to be uh, listeners? I don't know if you can recall this, but uh, in elementary school, the uh, long grade report they used to give, at least in my world, uh, one of the things was uh, plays well with others, and you'd get a grade on that. I think one of the questions facing the North American affluent resourced church is can we play well with others you know can we can we be in a parade without having to be at the front of the parade you know can we be in an orchestra without having to be the conductor and i think that's the biggest question so we need to be looking to see where the partnerships are not just always being the cowboy pioneers you know going uh to the places we want to reach but finding out what god's already doing there and joining it sort of paraphrasing Blackaby. Yeah. Now, Paul, let me ask you a question. Somebody who has taught on this subject and, met and spoke at a lot of different churches, how is this, this different than the past approaches that per- churches and pastors have had? How, how does this look differently now than compared to before? Well, in the past, um, it was, by and large, from the West to the rest, as one person put it. It was By and large, it was, you know, we send out people from our dominant cultures or the dominant cultures of our churches to go to the rest of the world, uh, which has borne tremendous fruit, even though everybody who crosses the culture inevitably inevitably brings some uh, mistakes with them, you know, their own cultural lenses through which they see things. But now it's more a matter of, uh, you know, before we go to Angola, a Portuguese-speaking country in Africa, we need to find out what's the state of the church in Angola and how many missionaries are being sent from Brazil, a Portuguese-speaking country, to Angola already. So it's going to take a little bit more research, and it's not just about us to them, but all of us working together. Yeah. Well. You know, let me, uh, before Kenson, you go, you are listening to Up Next on AM 1160 today. My co-host today is Kenson Lamb of Park Community Church and Jimmy Lee of Good City. And today we have on the phone Paul Borthwick, author, missiologist, and uh, just a dear friend of ours. Kenson, go ahead. Yeah, hey, thank you so much. You know, if, if I can just switch gears just a little bit here. You know, um, speaking pastor to pastor, I noticed that you spent 22 years of service on staff at Grace Chapel. Um, and you actually coordinate over a hundred short-term service teams. And for me, like, you know, one of the tensions that I face as a pastor is just kind of justifying these short-term teams. Like, because, like, you know, I'm sending a group of maybe like eight or ten people. Thousands of dollars are being poured into this and in fundraising to get this team there to maybe do like English as a second language or, or something else. When I'm thinking, like, you know, we could give this money to this church here and they can they can renovate this building they can go ahead and get the van that they need and stuff like that so if i can just ask you like as you as you think about these short-term service teams and, and sending these teams overseas like in your mind what, what what do you what what do you see the value in them and why is it so important for us to be sending these groups you know for these trips it's a super question and uh if we had a much longer conversation i could tell you the thousand and one things that are wrong with short-term mission teams, okay? 
because I've seen us make mistakes. And, and it's not just from the United States to other countries, it's from other countries to other countries. You know, so the church in Singapore makes the same mistakes going to Malaysia as a church in Texas does going to Mexico. You know, so I mean, I think part of it is a sort of a, a naive zealousness that gets us into trouble because we don't do our cultural research of the place we're going to. Mm. But having said that, I still have had no better way of seeing someone's life transformed and how they see God, how they see themselves, and how they see the world than actually meeting people from other cultures and living in somebody else's place. I used to actually say that short-term missions is the first time that missions is being done for the benefit of the missionary, meaning it's to change the life of the participant. Yeah. And in a a world, in in the majority world, or Latin America, Africa, Asia, most ministry is going to be done by relationships. And even though we're fundamentally a task-oriented culture, I think the fact that we go and actually start building relationships may make us more prepared for future, longer-term missions. But is missions being done for the benefit of the missionary? I started thinking about this and analyzing it and being very critical of it. And then I realized that in one sense, Jonah was sent as a missionary to Nineveh to change Jonah's understanding of God's mercy. Yeah. And actually, Jonah the missionary was the one most transformed by that trip. And then Peter, in Acts chapter 10, was sent to go have a meal with and visit with the household of Cornelius, a Gentile. And Peter's view of God and the mission of God in the world was expanded and transformed. So God does use, if you would, cross-cultural encounters into somebody else's world where I forcibly have to leave my comfort zone, he uses that to change the the missionary, if you will. Having said that, I would say the two major flaws of most short-term missions is that, one, we really don't do enough training of our people beforehand to the point of understanding what their purpose is. And even worse, we do very little follow-up in general. I don't know about, you know, your specific churches or if this is a situation in Chicagoland, but in my experience, we go, we do it, we come home, and we pat ourselves on the back, but we don't really process it. And the idea of one church where they had six months of training before they did a two-week trip, and then four months of follow-up after they got home, that's a church that's going to have a greater impact yeah. on the world and in their missionaries uh, in terms of short-term missions. Yeah. Paul, well said. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Paul, we're going to come back after break, and we're going to spend a little bit more time talking and getting to know Paul Borthwick, so stay tuned. Dr. Tim Keller, founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City and best-selling author, is coming to Chicago for the Gospel and Our Cities Conference. In the book of Jonah, God sends his prophet to the great city of Nineveh to uh, preach to it, to reach it, and he shows a great deal of disdain, and God rebukes Jonah and says, How can you look at all those people who don't know their right hand from their left and not have compassion on that great city? Uh, The churches of today should have compassion on the city and should care about the city. Please come to Chicago, the third largest city in our country, which will be a wonderful backdrop for a meeting of men and women who want to reach their respective North American cities with the gospel, doing both holistic uh, transformation, evangelism, and bringing about conversions, Please come and join us. 
Find out more at thegospelandourcities.org. That's thegospelandourcities.org. AM 1160. Resource Global is cultivating the potential of young professionals all over the world to maximize their reach and restore their cities with the gospel. 60% of our waking hours are spent in the workplace. Therefore, it is a significant time for gospel impact. As young professionals grow in their careers, we provide in-depth training, and we also provide mentoring to integrate their faith and work. And we want them to use their influence and skills to impact their city. I know of no other organization besides Resource Global that is doing its exact ministry. Going to places, finding young people, and pastors and teachers who want to bring together their collective wisdom to encourage one another in things of faith and work. I want to invite you to join us as we continue to grow the network of young professionals in strategic cities around the world. I invite you to join us to make a difference in these cities through these individuals and to make a difference for tomorrow. Dr. Tim Keller, founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City and best-selling author, is coming to Chicago for the Gospel and Our Cities Conference. In the book of Jonah, God sends his prophet to the great city of Nineveh to uh, preach to it, to reach it, and he shows a great deal of disdain, and God rebukes Jonah and says, how can you look at all those people who don't know their right hand from their left and not have compassion on that great city? Uh, The churches of today should have compassion on the city and should care about the city. Please come to Chicago, the third largest city in our country, which will be a wonderful backdrop for a meeting of men and women who want to reach their respective North American cities with the gospel, doing both holistic uh, transformation, evangelism, and bringing about conversions. Please come and join us. Find out more at thegospelandourcities.org. That's thegospelandourcities.org. AM 1160. Welcome back to Up Next with Tommy Lee. Brought to you in partnership with the Gospel and Our Cities Conference with Tim Keller. Coming to Chicago in 2018. Well, welcome back. And we are talking today with Paul Borthwick. He's on the staff of Development Associates International. Paul is a professor, speaker, and author and here today we have our co-hosts, Kenson Lamb and Jimmy Lee. Paul, did, uh, you made a comment. Did you like our theme music here? Uh, that was quite adventuresome. I could, uh, Luke Skywalker was sort of singing in the background, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, right before your break, we were talking about the Global South. We were talking about short-term missions trip. Kenson, you actually had a follow-up question yeah, actually, for Paul. Yeah, actually, no, just more like a follow-up comment. I just really appreciate what you just said because, like, uh, like Jimmy and I actually a couple of years ago had a chance to go to Istanbul, Turkey to, for a short term, you know, trip, you know, service team here. And we went there and like, obviously we made an investment and man, the folks were so gracious there. They're so thankful that we're there. But Jimmy and I came back, man, and we could not but feel like we got more out of this, 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 this adventure, this trip, this service opportunity, this global service opportunity that even now, like, as I just think about my pastoring, like, it's hard for me to give a global sermon or to read the Bible in the same same way that as I'm hearing news about what's happening across the world. So I'm so I totally agree with you. Just like the importance of these short term service teams to be able to get our folks exposed, that they're going to read the Bible different, they're going to pray different, they're going to interact with the with the news differently. So just a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, and Paul, that. you and I were in Lausanne together, and um, I also served in the garbage village of Egypt with some of the friends that we know as well, too. And there's so much we can really learn from some of those people outside the United States that otherwise sometimes we forget um, about the lessons that God is teaching them as well, too. Yes, and, and I think that 
you know, it sounds, sounds so basic, but people need to know that, like, our way of worship is not the only way of worship, that God is not an American who votes the Democratic or Republican, God is not white, he's not English-speaking, you know, he's God of the nations. And uh, one of my favorite phrases comes from my wife. She coined this sort of training me for cross-cultural effectiveness or better effectiveness. She said, you know, Paul, with two ears and two eyes and one mouth, try to observe and listen four times for every word you speak. Hmm. And I think as, as Americans, if we could go into other cultures and be observers and listeners, I think we would learn a lot more. Paul, I know that you've been really involved with the Urbana Conference, and there's so much news about the the next generation of millennials who are going to be the leaders of our country. And this generation is, they're socially active. Um, they they are all about raising money for water wells and really um, being part of movements like you see with the Me Too movement and really advocating for those who um, don't have, um, who are being oppressed. What, as you look at this next generation of leaders, um, what are the things that you're excited about, but what are the things that you're also fearful about regarding this group? Oh, man, that's a great question. The, uh, the thing I think I'm most excited about is exactly the kind of things you just mentioned, the desire for change, the desire to get together and, uh, and make a statement, the desire to advocate on behalf of the, the voiceless, if you want to call them that, or the people that can't advocate as well for themselves, uh, the concern for global issues, the concern for the negative parts of globalization. Those things uh, are very, very exciting to me to see that. And uh, if, you, if you will, I, I just you know, long for Urbana and other conferences and <clears throat> leaders like the people at Urbana, like uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship staff, et cetera, to be able to sort of direct some of that energy into uh, a longer-term commitment which actually is one of my concerns. My concern would be that this week it's the Me Too movement, next week we're saving the whales, but the week after that we're doing something for ecology, the, the week after that you know, we're with IJM rescuing people from the sex trade. And uh, I think one of the challenges in a, uh, an overchoice generation is can they stay focused on one or two things long enough to actually make a long-term difference. You know, just posting a blog on, uh, on Facebook or posting a blog on the Internet doesn't change the world. It's the uh, long-term, quiet, diligent perseverance on an issue that might change it. Having said that, I think also at the foundation of why we do things is a benevolent desire to change things, but I think there needs to be also an understanding that for the gospel to be the gospel, it's the spoken word inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's the demonstrated compassion that touches the, the hungry and the thirsty and the naked and the imprisoned and the hospitalized. So it's not an either-or proposition. It's, a, you know, as one of the book titles of a book that I did for Urbana 2015 states, it, it's great compassion and the great commission, making disciples of all the nations. And my concern would be that the millennial generation might not have that same commitment and conviction about preaching the gospel verbally in addition to demonstrating the gospel physically and socially. Well, today we have on the call today, we have Paul Borthwick. He is on the staff of Development and Associates International. 
You are listening to Up Next on AM 1160. My co-host today is Jimmy Lee and Kenson Lamb. Hey, Paul, let's do something different. Let's do something fun, hopefully, for you. I'm going to name a part of the a region and part of the world or a city and part of the world, and I want to really be able to just get your comments, your thoughts on something that may be happening in the world. Would you be comfortable with that, Paul? Sure, I hope so. <laughs> So as we look at it, when we talk about Lagos, Nigeria, what comes into mind? What are you encouraged about? Encouraged? Um, well, it's obviously one of the most influential places in Africa. Uh, Nigeria itself is 20% of all of Africa. One in five Africans live in Nigeria. Lagos and Ibadan, this, this sort of twin city, represents the two largest urban areas. And out of there are, you know, multiple churches, many, many Christians, and uh, an opportunity to uh, send missionaries. Nigeria itself is the largest missionary sending country on the continent of Africa, sending to other countries around the world. So, I I mean, it's an overwhelming city. Uh, It's one of those places where when you arrive there, you feel like the entire city of 9 or 10 million people has come out to meet you at the airport. Uh, but it's just uh, it's a place of dynamic action, God's at work. What about Southeast Asia? Southeast Asia, it almost depends country per country. Uh, there are obvious pockets of good things happening, but the, uh, the influence of uh, communism still pervades in some areas, Vietnam most notably. Uh, there's also you know, the oppression of followers of Jesus uh, in countries that are dominantly uh, Muslim. And there's also a great historical, cultural resistance to the gospel in places like Thailand or Cambodia that are historically Buddhist. So it's uh, those countries in Southeast Asia, lots of opportunities, but lots of hard work ahead for the people that are going to be the, the agents, if you will, of the gospel. Yeah. Also, what we saw the Olympics really have an effect on China. When we go over to Latin America and Brazil, what were the effects of uh, the Olympics now on Brazil and what's happening there? Paul, what about North Korea? Well, I think that uh, North Korea is always surprising us, or maybe not surprising us enough, I don't know. But uh, uh, I think a lot of Christians would, uh, in the United States might not be aware of the fact that there are many, many South Korean Christians and Chinese Christians that are as passionate about reaching North Korea as any person in this country, and there's actually, you know, there's actually things going on there where there's a, a Christian influence even into the world of academia. And uh, and I can't tell you any more because if I did, I would be actually betraying confidences. Got it. Hey, Paul, sorry about that. I, I know Jimmy was asking for North Korea. What about Brazil? Oh, Brazil. Um, Brazil, um, fantastic growth of the evangelical slash Pentecostal church. Um, struggling always to maintain it into the second and third generation, which is true around the world. Anytime Christianity is in a culture for three generations, by the third generation you have a potential struggle with nominalism and secularism. But, uh, you know, Brazil has got a passion for reaching into North Africa, into some of the Muslim countries, the Arabic-speaking countries of the world, and also for reaching the former... Uh, you know, sister colonies of Portugal, if you will, including Portugal itself, as well as places like Goa, uh, island off the coast of India, and Angola, Mozambique, uh, a couple of others, I think, in uh, in 
sort of the, the little turn of West Africa. Yeah, Paul, thank you for that. You know, as we have about a minute left here, um, we have a lot of folks who are listening right now who are thinking, you know what, going global, that's not me. That's not for me. That's for someone else. Um, how would you, what would you say to them right now to encourage them uh, to consider being a global Christ follower to go? I would tell them, number one, uh, don't be afraid to start small. You know, uh, one of my favorite things is to tell people to start praying for the world by praying for the country on the label of your clothes, because almost all of our clothes are made in other countries, and chances are the Buddhist world, Hindu world, and Muslim world hanging in your closet. Number two, I'd say don't be afraid to start here. You know, reach out to the neighbor, the person across the street, the Thai family that runs the restaurant, the people at the medical clinic who might be from Muslim backgrounds. Uh, the world is in our midst, a place like Chicagoland. Man, you've got almost all the countries of the world probably in, in that greater area there. Go looking for it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to start now. Well, Paul, thank you very much, and hope to talk to you again soon. For more information on Paul Borthwick, you could go to DAI, International DAI, NTL.org for more information on Paul Borthwick. And so, Paul, thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you next weekend for another episode of Up Next. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Up Next is brought to you in partnership with The Gospel and Our Cities Conference in Chicago, October 2018. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.